welcome to the Pure Desire Podcast, where we partner with you to bring hope and freedom on your journey to purity. Hey there, I'm your host, Trevor Windsor, and we're so thankful you're taking time out of your day to hang out with us. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Nick Stumbo. Hey, hey, hey. And we're sitting with uh, our guest today, Robert, or Bob. Do you mind, Bob? Can we call you Bob? You can call me Bob. Bob Vandermeer. Don't try to spell that. Bob is a pastor and is one of our pastoral sex addiction professionals. Bob, welcome to the PD Podcast. How you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Right on. The sad part about podcasting with Bob is that you cannot see his magnificent beard. So hopefully one day we'll transition to video podcasts and you'll be able to see it. Yeah, don't be weird with the beard over there, please. But today we are going to talk about uh, two tools that we use in most of our content, the double bind and the commitment to change. These tools can be super helpful if they're done right and understood properly. Uh, So Bob's going to help us talk through that today. But Bob, we're just going to jump in. But first, I want uh, you to just tell us a little bit about your background, your story and about your family. So just fill us in. Sure. Uh, Do I have a time limit? (laughs) It's your call. All right. Perfect. Um, Originally from Las Vegas, Nevada, born and raised there. And uh, that's where I started my journey in life as a Christian and as a sex addict. Uh, So carried my own sex addiction with me, um, you know, out of Las Vegas into Bible college, out of Bible college, back to Las Vegas. Started working at a church, got married and uh, kept rolling uh, with the sex addiction. And before too long, I was senior pastor and uh, was done with life, done with marriage, done with ministry, was suicidal and uh, just wanted to be done with all of it. So that's when I started my own kind of journey of recovery. Uh, Dr. Roberts did kick me out of his office the first time I was in there because I didn't want to take his advice. <laughs> and uh, it was, a, I think, a mutual lack of love at that moment. Um, <laughs> but uh, came back around eventually. Um, so uh, basically I had to go and experience more pain before I was willing to take the advice of anybody. And I did that for a few years, was working two full-time valet jobs. Uh, so you know, 80 hours a week parking cars and throwing luggage and just um, deep in my shame and hating myself for everything that I'd done, hadn't done, uh, and so on. Um, Eventually started getting help, Um, moved down to Argentina actually uh, with, at that time, my my fiance and her parents uh, and started working alongside her dad just getting healthy. Wasn't really doing a whole lot just there to get healthy. And uh, eventually, uh, once my fiance and I got married, uh, she and I started representing Pure Desire in Latin America. So mm-hmm. traveling around there, speaking at churches, schools, radio stations, really whoever would have us, and sharing uh, what sex addiction is, just kind of introducing them to a vocabulary that they're unfamiliar with, um, taking, trying to take the shame out of it and introduce grace um, and some competency into those environments so that they had not just the knowledge but the tools and something to get their own conversation started of how do we even address sex addiction. Um, So uh, eventually, um, my wife and I, we moved back up to the United States, um, but after a stop in, so I'm sorry, we were living in Argentina, then we were living in Santiago, Chile, Mm -hmm. and then we made a a several month stop in Panama on the way up here to Portland. And uh, so started a family here, started working more closely with Pure Desire as clinicians. And um, so since we've been here in the four years, we've had two kids. Our son, Amadeus, who is three and a half, and our daughter, yeah, he's a good guy, and uh, our daughter, Carmela, who is about 10 months old. So my wife, Rebecca, uh, we both work at Pure Desire, um, 
as uh, as a team, you know, working with clients and trying to help people with this uh, area. Very good. How long have you been on staff? Um, well, I guess um, like national staff, I got four years okay. since we moved up here. Yeah. Um, prior to that, like I said, we were representing Pure Desire, so I don't know, maybe more of an affiliate type hmm. role, but that was for a few years also. Very cool. Thanks. Yeah, Bob, we're really excited about this episode because I think one of the most frequent questions we get is around uh, this tool, especially the double bind. People, even when we started doing a podcast, I've had at least three requests of, would you talk about the double bind? Help us understand what this is and what on earth it has to do with our struggle for purity or with sexual addiction. So um, because of that interest, would you just help us understand what is a double bind or what is the double bind as we use it as a tool And then maybe give us some examples of what it looks like or how it works. Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, before I say anything else, um, I will make some comments about culture, and that may have to do with family. It may have to do with church. And I want to say that one of our biggest goals in working with sex addicts and spouses and families is that our families would be healthy and that our churches would be healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of that, though, is us being able to recognize things that need some health, some things that are maybe a little broken. And so uh, I just want to be clear that if I say, you know, the church has taught us, I'm not saying I hate the church. I love the church. I just want the church to be healthier. If I say our families taught us, I'm not saying that, you know, our our parents or whoever raised us were horrible people, just saying that there may be some brokenness there and we need to address it to be able to move forward. So so your question, um, what is a double bind? What does it have to do with all this? Uh, The double bind, I mean, the way that we explain it easily in the literature or quickly in the literature is, you know, it's between a rock and a hard place. Um, damned if you do, damned if you don't. doesn't matter which decision you make. You're faced with something that's going to be difficult. Are we allowed to say damned on this podcast? It's biblical, I think. Well, so. okay. it's, it's in seven pillars. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to put explicit on this episode on the podcast. No big deal. Isn't it? I mean, it is biblical. That's good, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not talking about donkeys yet yeah. or anything. Okay, good. Uh, so, um, you know, it's basically the idea that you're faced with a decision or you're faced with something and um, you're having a difficult time making the decision because regardless of which one you choose, uh, you know, the blue pill or the red pill, you're stuck with some challenge. Mm-hmm. You're stuck with some difficulty. And uh, that leads to stagnation a lot of times in life, whether it's, you know, relationally or, or whatever else. Um, so uh, an example of a double bind would be, um, you know, hey, I know that I really need to um, talk to somebody about my sex addiction. There's like the biggest double bind that all yeah. you know sex addicts face right up front. Or I need to talk to somebody about what's going on in my family. Um, but let's stick with the sex addiction example. So me as a sex addict, man, I need to talk to somebody, but I'm scared. Because if I choose to talk to somebody, in other words, if, if I give up this isolation, if I give up this addiction, um, if I talk to somebody, I'm going to have to face the fear of failure. Because I don't even know if there will be rejection, but I just have to face the fear of it. I have to face the fear that people are going, maybe I'm going to get kicked out of my church or my spouse is going to leave me or I'm going to lose my job or whatever else. I just, that fear is there. Um, However, if I don't talk to somebody about my sex addiction, well, then I'm stuck in isolation. I'm stuck in a pattern. I'm stuck doing destructive behavior that's not just wrecking myself, but my life, my marriage, my ministry, and so on. And so we come, we come up against these decisions. So, I mean, that's obviously an extreme example, but maybe there's an example of... Um, I know that I need to have a conversation with somebody about um, my eating habits. Well, because if I do that, I'm going to have to face the fact that I'm being unhealthy. But if I don't do that, then I'm going to have to continue to 
be overweight or, you know, not take care of myself and so on. Yeah, I know when I went through Michael Dye's the, the Genesis process, he talks about that, that anywhere in life we're stuck or not changing, there's almost always a double bind that we can highlight and find at the source of it. And I know uh, for me, when I first met with Dr. Ted, uh, he kept bringing up procrastination. And I thought, why are you harping on my procrastination? I thought we were going to talk about pornography. And, and yet he saw that that was one of my primary double binds, that that the procrastination, the fear was of having to do hard work, mm -hmm. um, possible failure, or not being able to do the project. But because I wouldn't face it, because I would procrastinate, then I would avoid work, I would let others down and hinder their work, and often that would lead me to medicating that anxiety by um, looking to other things. Mm -hmm. So it, it was in seeing that I'm making a choice yeah. uh, of, over this double bind. It's not just that I have this behavior I need to change, it's this double bind that I've been making the wrong choice about mm -hmm. that really was uh, insightful in my journey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think too, as leaders in the church, it's really easy to find yourself in these situations. You know, when, when I was in pastoral ministry, I found myself wanting to isolate in order to maintain my public persona that mm -hmm. people knew uh, versus being, I need to be honest and be upfront, but then people are going to know that I fail and know that I'm imperfect and know I'm not this great pastor that uh, maybe, I guess I assume that they think that I am. So I end up, you know, in this day-to-day -day struggle where it's, do I isolate? Do I stay away so that people still think I'm awesome? Uh, maybe they even don't, but I think that they think I'm awesome. Or do I be honest and definitely not be awesome, and but be real and yeah. be known by people? Yeah. yeah, I think most of us grew up uh, either in a church or a family where um, perfection was expected. And maybe our families never said, we expect you to be perfect, but it was communicated, you better not mess up. Totally. And that, you know, we end up with the same idea. And so even if, say, where there's this double bind of discussing something, facing something, confronting something once, then there's the double bind of doing it a second time. Because once we, you know, let's just say we come out and we talk about um, any issue with somebody once, we have to face that double bind and we do it. Well, then are we going to go back to feeling like we're supposed to be perfect? Or are we going to be able to embrace um, sanctification? Are we going to be able to embrace progress mm -hmm. instead of perfection? And that's a pretty rough double bind, too. Absolutely. Okay, so a couple episodes ago, we talked about the faster scale. It's mm -hmm. a tool that we use. Uh, and if you, have, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back a couple episodes and listen to that. Um, but how does this double bind, this tool, connect with the faster scale? Yeah, so the faster scale, yeah, go back and listen to that episode definitely if you're not sure what it is. But outside of the faster scale is recovery. And that's where we want to be. That's where we want to be living. And if we're living in recovery, then we're dealing with our double binds. We're, we're facing these difficult situations and processing through them. We're doing the difficult thing. Uh, and if, if we end up coming up against a double bind, and it could be, uh, it could be a situation that we know we're going to face this week, again, a conversation or even like taking our car to the mechanic because what if we take it there and, you know, we got to drop a couple grand on it. I mean, you know, whatever the double bind is you're facing this week. Um, or it could be uh, something that is from the past that you're, you know, that's coming up that you're having to deal with. Anyways, all that to say, whatever the double bind is, if we don't deal with it, then we end up moving out of recovery oftentimes and moving down the faster yeah. scale. And so whether we move to forgetting priorities um, or we move down to exhausted, whatever it is, uh, basically if we're not dealing with our double binds effectively uh, and relatively quickly, uh, then we end up finding ourselves moving down the faster scale. Yeah, it's realizing that those double binds tend to compound themselves. Yeah. Because if I, you know, as I mentioned, the procrastination example, if I procrastinate long enough, it gets worse. And now maybe I'm up against a deadline. And so I'm speeding up. 
And then maybe at home I yell at my kids because I'm getting ticked yeah. off. Yeah. Well, now I've got a double bind of I've made my kids upset and do I admit weakness and apologize to them mm -hmm. or do I just keep you know doing my own thing because I'm too busy to pause and do that? So now you're kind of layering double binds, but it's just so helpful to try to unpack that and look at what's, what's really driving my behavior. Yeah. And I see that happening in, in groups. I, I think that's the real benefit of the double bind is helping someone connect the dots mm -hmm. of what am I feeling and how does it connect because often it's connecting to our past, to limbic lies about who we are that we picked up from early in life or childhood. Yeah. And that's why that double bind has power in our life because I think we all would realize there's areas in our life where we make really good choices mm -hmm. and we don't struggle with the double bind even though someone else might. But then there's certain places where we just get stuck. And when we ask the question, why is this a double bind for me? That's where we can start to connect back to um, lies or things that we've listened to from childhood from our families that have taught us about our value and identity. And when we can help each other connect those dots, see, oh, here's why I procrastinate. Mm -hmm. Or here's where that fear of failure comes from. Here's why I fear rejection. Here's why I fear, you know, whatever the fear is, then we're really doing a work of transformation because we're not just trying to change the behavior this week, but we're seeing why the, uh, the whole pattern of our life has led us to this challenge. And we're starting to connect those dots in a way that, that changes us. And it requires self-awareness, again. Yeah. Like self-awareness, we talked about that with the faster scale as well, that it's very important to have that. If, if you don't have that, if you're not able to find self-awareness, then these tools are almost impossible to use. Yeah, you know, and I think even a, a, a relatively regular double bind that I face is, is with my spouse, uh, Rebecca. Like, if I'm, uh, if I'm doing something that I know is making her life more difficult, if I'm not willing to acknowledge that in her life, if I'm willing to say, hey, listen, I know that, I know that me going to do the podcast this morning means that you're home alone <laughs> with the kids and that our son was a little feisty this We're morning. We're so, so, so sorry. Yeah, no, she'll, she'll listen to this later and then she'll, okay, well, good, he thanked me live on air. Um, <laughs> it's all worth it. But, uh, but, you know, if I'm not willing to say, hey, listen, I know me going to do this makes, it, makes your morning a little bit more rough and I really appreciate the extra work you're doing. That's a double bind saying that because I'm, I'm admitting that I'm doing something that's making her life more difficult. And uh, what if she's like, yeah, thanks a lot, jerk. You know, then I, I have to face that, that fear. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's something that I think regularly comes up with spouses is that our own fear of, of kind of acknowledging their reality and our role in it. Mm. Oh, that's good. So, Bob, you and Rebecca work with clients on a weekly basis and are trying to coach them through mm -hmm. um, the double binds they have and how to see them, recognize them. What would you say about the double bind can be so confusing? Where do you see people really struggle with this or get kind of hung up on it? Yeah, I think that one of the things that we see the most is that uh, when people go to look at the double bind, they find uh, positive in one thing and negative in the other thing. And when they do that, they f and I'll give an example in a minute, but when they do that, they fail to see why this de decision is so difficult. And uh, so, in other words, um, guys making phone, or anybody making phone calls in their group. Yeah. I mean, that's a regular double bind for people. Yeah. And so sometimes they'll say, well, okay, if I do make a phone, so we're saying if I make a phone call versus if I don't. So if I do make a phone call, uh, then I'll have somebody to talk to and it'll be great and you know we'll really be able to connect and talk about life. If I don't make a phone call then I'll be isolated. Well by doing that they're kind of seeing why this is a double bind because uh, in the first instance if I do make a phone call uh, well you're also going to have to face your emotions, process through them, talk out loud with somebody, mm -hmm. pick up the phone and say man I need help so I'm going to reach out today. You're going to have to face all these difficult things. 
But by only finding the positive in it, I think it kind of uh, keeps us from understanding why we're stuck. Yeah. Because if it was like, if it was that easy to say, oh, well, yeah, look at all the good that comes out of it. Yeah. Then it's we just a good already, thing versus a bad thing. Yeah, we would have already done it. Yeah. And um, so I think that's one of the biggest uh, confusions when it comes to the double bind is understanding that both of the outcomes are painful and or difficult. Yeah, there's pain either way. And that's why we're stuck. Yeah, that's good. Is there ever a time where you're in a double bind between two positive things? Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear an example, Trevor. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I brought it up. Moving on, next question. <laughs> yeah. No, so I, I just, I, I feel like sometimes you can make a decision and be honest with somebody about something mm-hmm. and that's going to hurt them and potentially maybe, uh, I guess, estrange that relationship, mm-hmm. strain that relationship, or you could not be honest with them or not talk to them about it and maintain relationship. And so both can feel positive in mm-hmm. the moment. And so yeah. I guess that's what I'm thinking something like yeah. that. Uh, well, I mean, I, like an example, a few years ago, Rebecca and I were here in Portland, and I was here actually, uh, we went on the counselor's retreat or the staff retreat at the time. The staff was small enough that the whole Pure Desire staff would go on a retreat. Uh, and then uh, we were also here, and I was going to go in for uh, basically an ethics interview with our denomination to see if they were willing to give me my license back. And while we were here, uh, my uncle passed away and uh, the funeral was going to be back in Illinois. And so I was faced with this double bind of go and support my family, you know, and be there um, with my family as my uncle passed away, or stay here and do all this other stuff that we, you know, flew up from South America to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I went back to the funeral, then my wife, Rebecca, would we didn't have enough money for both of us to fly back, so she would have stayed here. And so here's a double bind where either way I'm supporting family, you know, my wife and why we're here, or I'm supporting family at the funeral. And so that was one of those ones for me where it's like, either way, I feel like I'm doing a good thing, but I don't know what to do. And so what I ended up processing was in in that, um, my double bind was uh, that if I say, go to my uncle's funeral, I'm going to feel guilty about leaving Rebecca here. Uh, But if I stay here, then I'm gonna miss something that, um, you know, I'll probably regret missing. And it ended up, um, some other things happened. We, I wasn't able to go back, and I regret not going back. Mm. Uh, so if those other things hadn't have happened that made it impossible for me to go, yeah. uh, then I would have gone. Yeah. I, uh, just, I, I feel like in groups, you know, the groups I've been a part of, you, you tend to think that it is only that a good thing and a bad mm-hmm. thing. And so I feel like it's, it's important to make that distinction, though, that you can actually have two good things yeah. that are potentially going to put yeah. you in a double yeah. bind. And I, I think in most double binds, what you asked is really right on, Trevor, because there's something good and bad on both sides. Mm-hmm. And it's just helping us to see the maybe the underside. Because there's a positive mm-hmm. to my double bind of procrastination. Mm-hmm. I can avoid hard work. <laughs> yeah. I can you know right. numb out on entertainment, and that's fun yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So it has a positive, but then the, the dark side of how it makes things worse and right. the work's still there, and I'm avoiding right. that fear of failure and risk. So I think in the double bind, when you just help someone see the whole picture of why they're stuck, that's when you start to give them some tools to change. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Cool. So we were just talking about the double bind, and we're talking today in this episode, we're talking about that in conjunction with the commitment to change. Uh, So the commitment to change, what is it? What's the purpose of it? And then talk us through those six questions that we see in the journals uh, that are part of the commitment to change. Yeah, yeah. So if the double bind is something that we're stuck on or something that we are going to be facing, then the commitment to change is um, a tool in a sense to help us 
process through that, to make ourselves accountable to moving through that, to facing that double bind and not being stuck in it. Mm. Uh, it's something that we do with our group. Uh, we do it actually in the group, during the group, so that but the next time we get together or when we're making our phone calls, they can say, hey, how are you doing on that? We're making ourselves accountable. And so um, one of the biggest things I'd say with the commitment to change is that you make it practical. A lot of people, yeah. when they're putting together commitment to change, uh, again, I think coming out of the church, we make very lofty goals. And so early on in groups, you'll hear a lot of commitment to changes like, I'm going to, I'm going to pray more and read my Bible more. Or, you know, this get year. Get really close to God. I'm going to get really close to God. And you're like, that's awesome, man. It is I awesome. really hope yeah. that you can do that. Yeah. Um, but how are you going to do that? You say, well, I'm going to read my Bible, you know, more this week. Okay, so one minute more than last week. So is that what you're shooting for? So to, to kind of boil that down and to help it get to a practical level. So through the, these questions, the questions are, what area do you need to change or what challenge are you facing this week? And so let's just go with this Bible one. Uh, and so the challenge they're facing this week is that they really feel like they need to do more spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. So praying, reading the Bible, doing the sword drill, stuff like that. That is part of the program. Um, okay, so they acknowledge that. So what do you need to change or challenge? The challenge is that, that I want to I do more of this this week. Uh, what will it cost you emotionally if you do change? What fear will you have to face? That's the second question. And so um, for, in my experience, for a lot of guys in particular, uh, they um, quiet time, quote unquote, Bible time, whatever, is very challenging for them mm-hmm. in their recovery because as soon as they sit down mm-hmm. and want to hear the voice of God, they feel shame because that's all that they've been putting on themselves for a long time. And so there's a lot of guys that relapse around quiet time, which seems so ironic, but it's because they're sitting down and instead of hearing the grace from God, they're hearing, they're hearing shame you know, in their own limbic lies. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, what will it cost them emotionally if they do change? What fear do they have to face? They have to face that, that fear of sitting down with God mm-hmm. and um, facing their own shame as opposed to listening for God's grace. Uh, what will it cost you if you don't change? Well, it'll cost them to still feel further away, disconnected. You know, the isolation that we experience uh, in this isn't just from the people in our lives, but the way we feel it, you know, one of the biggest areas is even from God, even on secular assessments that asks about spiritual consequences. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, we recognize that those spiritual consequences are, are real. Um, So then here's the thing. What is your plan to maintain your restoration regarding these changes? So here's where the, where the plan gets a little lofty sometimes. Well, I'm going you know, to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning. I'm going to read my Bible for an hour, and then I'm going to pray. And it's like, well, hold on. What time do you normally wake up in the morning? Ah, like around 8. All right, let's scratch that. Yeah. Because, right. I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure in yeah. this. And instead of, you know, five days a week, why don't we just move it to one day a week? Hmm. Like, let's just try that this week yeah. and see if this is going to be something that you can do, a goal that you can accomplish. Okay, cool. Well, I, I don't want to do it once. I want to at least do it three times. That's fine. So what days are you going to do it? Well, I'm going to do it on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Great. What time are you going to do it? So get real specific. So I'm going to, yeah. and, they, and they're like, well, I'm going to do it in the afternoon. No. What time are you going to do it? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm going to do it at 4.30. Well, why 4.30? Well, this is why. Great. 4.30 is it. For how long are you going to do it? And because if, if they keep any part of this vague, uh, it's more difficult for them to accomplish it. And then what happens is when they get back together with their group and someone asks them, hey, how are you on your commitment to change? They say, ah, oh, well, uh, I'm not really sure what it was last week. Hmm. Or uh, it was better. 
But if you can make this something practical where there's literally a box you can check, mm. like this week on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 4.30 p.m., I'm going to read my Bible for 10 minutes and pray for five minutes. And if you can check that box, then it's so much more likely to happen. Yeah. Uh, but if, if there's something that's not practical, I mean, uh, there's guys that they just say, I'm going to make more phone calls. Then that's their commitment to change for a whole year. Yeah. Well, clearly there's something that's not working with that. Yeah. Yeah. So number five, who will keep you accountable to this commitment? Um, actually, in the journal, in Seven Pillars, there are lines of, of mm-hmm. names of people you're going to write down. These are the people that you have said, I'm going to do this. Please ask me about it. And what are the details your account of, details of your accountability for this week? What questions should they ask? So, again, give them real practical things. Ask me if on Monday at 4.30 if I did this. You know, it's interesting with that. When I was in group, I had uh, one of the guys who was in my group would always say, well, what questions would you ask me? Mm-hmm. So if, if you know what my commitment to change is, what questions would you you would ask me? And I always thought that was really cool. I never mm-hmm. really tried that. And then towards the end, I started to realize what he's doing is he's setting us up to take a little bit more ownership of yeah. what we're going to call him and what we're going to ask him mm-hmm. about and help him stay accountable that way. I just thought it was yeah. kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I like to always clarify with that last question that that doesn't mean it's now your responsibility to check in with me because that's really backwards of what mm-hmm. we want to teach with accountability. Yeah. But it's just to help kind of the group know what they could provide. But really it's on me to make that phone call. And that's what I try to coach a guy or, or our groups to say, and it, you know, for gals also, that when I start a phone call, I bet 95% of the time I say, hey, this is Nick, and this week my commitment to change was. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to say it word for word like was in the journal, and then I'll say, and here's how I'm doing. Yeah. whether it's successful or I'm, I'm failing. Um, and I find that even when I'm failing, it's that phone call that's the reminder to get me going. Mm-hmm. And so when you're really, really practical, like you said, Bob, and guys have something they can be very specific about, I think it makes the phone call easier yeah. because as guys, we struggle like, well, what do I talk about? I don't know what to say. And so I give them kind of that for call and say, here's my commitment to change. Yeah. Here's how I'm doing. And then just see where the conversation goes from there. Sure. Yeah. Even if it's taking the car to the mechanic, I'm going to take the car to the mechanic this week. Great. What day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when? Yeah. Well, I have to call first. Okay, when are you going to call first? Because the the less detail-oriented the, the commitment is, just the less likely they are to not succeed at it. Yeah. So it can be pretty easy to um, maybe try to breeze through the commitment to change at the end of a two-hour group. Uh, it's already been kind of long. Maybe the, the lesson you're tempted just to discuss the homework right up to the end. So what tips do you have for groups about being intentional and focused while filling out their commitment to change for the week and making that an integral part of their group time? Yeah. Well, at this point in the group, they've already gone through, you know, probably some pretty heavy stuff in, you know, in their group. And so they should be able to find something from what they've just been talking about. Uh, And if they can't, then they probably haven't been very present. And so most of the time, you know, our commitments to change are going to be either out of that Uh, or they're going to be out of something that we know we're going to be facing. And so I'd say just even before you start doing the commitment to change, take a minute, have everybody, you know, do a breathing exercise just just to kind of make sure that they're present and not thinking about, okay, we're almost out of here, like these are the five things I have to do on the way home or the phone call I have to make, just to kind of, you know, get your feet on the floor, literally feet on the floor, do some deep breathing, and just make sure that everybody's present for the exercise. Yeah, Hmm. that's good. So I guess kind of off of that, what are some common mistakes that you have experienced or seen uh, people make when they're doing their commitment to change? Yeah. Well, one of them I think um, Nick kind of touched on with the phone calls. And, uh, you know, it's great that we make these commitments. But if we personally are not making phone calls, then we are not holding ourselves accountable. 
again, the way that most of us learn this in the church, accountability in the church was, I tell you I have a struggle with something, and then I rely on you to make sure that I don't do it. Mm -hmm. And that's not real accountability. Um, That's kind of me pawning off the responsibility and consequences of all this onto somebody else. And so I think in the commitment to change, you know, yeah, make it practical. But two, if you personally are not making phone calls and connecting with other people, then you are not holding yourself accountable with these people. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes you say, some guys will say, well, you know, Joe called me yesterday, so I didn't make a phone call yesterday. Well, that's great. Joe made a phone call for himself yesterday. You just happened to be the person on the other end of the Mm -hmm. phone. And so, you know, it's your responsibility to make a phone call. Even if you hang up with Joe and immediately call somebody else, you know, that's fine. But, uh, But we need to be the ones owning this commitment, and we need to be the ones making ourselves accountable. Yeah. Calling someone and saying, hey, this is exactly what Nick, I think that's a great practice, Nick, to say, this, is, this was my commitment to change, this is what I'm doing to, to see this through. Yeah. You know, another thing I've seen in a lot of our groups is, particularly for guys that grew up in the church, is every week their commitment to change is spiritual. Mm-hmm. More time with God, more time in prayer, more time at church, which is all great. I don't yeah. ever want to tell a guy that's wrong, but when I have a guy that's like the fourth week in a row, he talks about reading the Bible more. I really start to press in and look at what other, you know, real tangible practical factors in their life might be preventing that. Yeah. You know, and you find out the guy's staying up till 1 a.m. watching mm-hmm. TV or, you know, playing video games. And you start to help them see this is a holistic exercise that yeah. some weeks your commitment to change is going to be physical, like about sleep or exercise or how you're eating. Some weeks it might be relational, like yeah. time with your wife or your kids. Some weeks it's spiritual. Some weeks it's about the group. It's about getting your homework done and making your phone calls. Mm-hmm. and. So I think that's a mistake just to watch for. If a guy every week is stuck in one of those areas, because other guys might be, it's always something physical. And to help them see, you know, your life is more than physical mm-hmm. or spiritual. It's it's all those together. So try to encourage guys to and gals uh, to keep variety in yeah. their commitment to change because our, our life is always changing. And if we're only working in one area, we're probably not going to get very far. Absolutely. More Frisbee is what they need. That's right. And hammocks. Get outside. There you go. Relax. The thing with that too, though, is I feel like if you're actually putting in the work and you're doing the homework Mm -hmm. and you're actually spending time each week doing it, your commitment to change is going to be a lot different than if you're just spending 10 minutes a week, you know, doing homework right before you start because you're going to be more self-aware of what's going on. You're going to understand where on the faster scale you were during the week and you're going to see, you know what? I understand where I was at this week. I understand some things that I need to change. Uh, so it goes maybe from the like broad spiritual thing to like, I'm going to serve my wife specifically this one way this week yeah. mm-hmm. and I'm going to do this. Uh, so I just feel like the more you do your homework and the more you're invested, the easier commitment to change maybe becomes. Yeah, that's great. So Bob, some listening, just what Trevor said might be feeling a bit like this is just busy work. It's just another tool. Uh, help those listeners maybe connect the dots. How does this connect to the whole process of our sexual and emotional health? Is it just an exercise without a lot of value or how do you connect that to our our whole journey here? Yeah, I think part of the answer goes again back to the way that a lot of us were raised in the church uh, or even in our families of spending a lot of time focusing on what we're not supposed to do. And, uh, you know, so these are the rules. Don't break these rules. So in the church, you know, don't sin. You know, don't break these Ten Commandments. Like we spend a lot of time (laughs) focusing on, like, just don't sin. And, you know, it's like that example of, like, okay, guys, don't think of a pink polar bear. Right. Oh, yeah, okay, there's the pink polar bear. So, uh, you know, I think the way that this connects to our emotional health is uh, in the whole grand scheme of things, we're trying to uh, help people 
move from unhealthy coping behavior. In this case, it just happens to be sex addiction. Um, but there may be some other ones in there too. Uh, we're trying to help them move away from that so that they can face pain in life, so that they can face their present reality of life, uh, whatever that is. Um, and we want to keep them from just staying focused on, like, don't screw up again. You know, don't mess up again. Don't make them angry again. Just don't do this. And so the emotional health part of this is as they begin to look out and look at other things that are healthy for them to do instead. Um, you know, it's looking, instead of staring and staying focused on their shame, looking at what the grace of God has created opportunity for in their life for yeah. them to do. And that may be relationship, that may be group time, that may be, you know, doing something that is physically healthy for them, whatever it is. But the commitment to change is about doing something instead, yeah. um, you know, and not staying just, yeah. just wallowing in our own shame. Yeah. And I've seen for guys and gals too, it helps create a feeling of momentum yeah. because beating sexual addiction or living in total freedom can feel like a giant mountain to climb. Mm -hmm. But if every week you've got like that one goal, here's what I'm going to do this week. And if you, you achieve it, I think for some people in groups, it might be the first time in a long time they yeah. said they were going to do something and they yep. did it. And it feels like something's changing here. It's creating yeah. momentum for this person. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So do you have, we'd like to do this with really all of our guests, but do you have any closing tips or encouragements that you want to give to anyone out there who's using the double bind and commitment to change? Yeah, I think uh, these tools are m the most effective if we, you're using them weekly mm. Uh, if not daily. So the commitment to change, yeah. I mean, it's something that you can come back to in daily, just like the faster scale. Because all three of these things, the faster scale, double bind, commitment to change, work so well together. Yeah. And if we're just doing this as a tool or exercise that we do once a week, then we're really not seeing the value of this in our life. Mm -hmm. um, we recommended to some people to actually like get the, the colorful refrigerator magnet letters mm. and spell out faster on the refrigerator. Mm. And every day as they walk by, they can just, you know, move the letter of wherever they're at that day. And it's something they can do with their spouse That's because, good. you know, the faster scale is not just for sex addiction. The faster scale is for us living in health, yeah. mm. in, in restoration. And so, you know, something as simple as that, just to make it a part of their everyday life that um, maybe with their spouse, they would say, okay, every Friday night, we go over our faster scale together. We go over our commitment to change together. Um, talk about any double binds that we might be, you know, having. And that doesn't need to be more than a 10-minute conversation. You know, I think most um, most guys, at least when you say, okay, sit down and talk with, with your wife, they're like, oh, man, this, that means it's like two hours. And that's because of our, our expectation of it, as opposed to saying, well, let's just set a time and make sure that we can do this. Um, it doesn't need to be, you know, this giant occasion, because if you do it weekly, yeah. uh, then, if, you know, you don't have all this buildup from the last yeah. seven years of yeah. things that you've never talked about. So yeah. that, that would be, I think, my my um, advice with this is use these tools mm. uh, weekly, if not daily, yeah. uh, and incorporate them into your life in an easy way. Um, if, and maybe I'll close with this, uh, I realize that I'm a lazy man, and that if I don't make things convenient for me, I'm less likely to do them. Mm. Uh, so I have a broom hanging on my front porch and because it's there i sweep my front porch every day if the broom was not hanging there i would not sweep it every That's day good. Uh, and i think with these tools make them convenient in your life so letters on the refrigerator a reminder that pops up on your phone yeah. whatever it is but you know set yourself up for success in this and if you are as lazy or procrastinating as some of the people in this room then you know you need some help with that and so may just just make it easy for yourself yeah. One of those lazy man's tips I've started using is when we write out our commitment to change in our group, I'll take a picture of it with my cell phone. 
because I found there are so many times I won't make a phone call because I can't remember who I committed to call mm -hmm. or what I committed to do. It's like, well, later then I'll look at it, then I'll do it. Yeah. And surprise, surprise, I never get around to it. Yeah. So just having that picture on my phone that I look and I go, oh yeah, and I, I stay more active that way. Yeah. So those great. are great tips, Bob. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, Bob, dude, this was awesome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your ministry and what you and your wife do and for spending time with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Been a pleasure. Right on. So we hope that this cleared up any questions or confusions on these tools. If you think Bob did a poor job explaining these, feel free to find him on our website. Yep, and I'm there. you can just look him up. That's great. You can find his info and just barrage him if you'd like. And thank you for listening to the Pure Desire podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to keep up with the podcast, please subscribe and check out our website, puredesire.org. Also, you can follow us on social media at Pure Desire PDMI. Once again, that's at Pure Desire PDMI. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pure Desire podcast. For more information, check out our website, www.puredesire.org. Check in each week for new content on the podcast, and we pray that it will help you find hope and freedom on your journey to purity.